You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, welcome back. Thanks for listening. And as everyone listening knows, recruitment and retention are huge issues in policing. Whether you're trying to get into law enforcement, applying to be a lateral at another agency, or if you're a recruitment officer, this is a show you will not want to miss. Well, Rob Kate is the CEO and co-founder of Interview Now. Interview Now is a modern recruitment system for law enforcement. They make it easy for agencies to recruit, communicate, and manage the next generation of law enforcement officers using automation, modern communication tools, and analytics. The text message-based software helps agencies both large and small in 20 states, like the New York State Police, Dane County Sheriff's, the Sunnyvale Police Department, Department of Public Safety, and many, many more. Rob actually gave a seminar with me at the FBI National Academy Conference in Orlando this year, and it was titled Answers to the Recruiting Dilemma from 2021 Forward. It's uh, been a pleasure knowing him for over the past year and working with him on this project. Welcome, Rob Kate. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we talked about it uh, in front of about 200 chiefs and um, senior managers of police agencies in Orlando this year. It seems fitting to put together a program. Uh, We're seeing the recruiting issues across the country. Um, What compelled you, Rob, to to think about um, taking a swing at this problem? Yeah, so back in 2019, I actually... uh, had the opportunity to sit down with Captain Wilson Lau from the Oakland Police Department. And he showed me what the whole process was. Um, Oakland PD was, you know, making a big push on recruitment. And I had an opportunity to sit down with him and show him a little bit about what I was building with Interview Now. Once he showed me the process and I got to learn more about, you know, how complex and difficult it was. I got really excited because I felt it was a you know widely underserved market and was desperately in need of you know providing a better process. Um, you know, I I come from the private sector. Um, I've been building HR tech tools for a while, and I noticed how um, really just outdated it was. Um, so I you know I really wanted to take the opportunity to uh, streamline the process and make it much more modern and engaging. Yeah, I mean, I know you've told me before that you know, you really looked at policing and and just the barrage of criticism and you wanted to make it better. Uh, Was there any one flashpoint that made you say, I'm going to do this? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I had a, you know, turning point of, you know, sitting down and working with um, the captain there at Oakland and, you know, really had a chance to speak to him on one on one basis. I think a lot of People um, in the general public don't have relationships with people in law enforcement. And I think it's, you know, very, very bad. Um, You know, I grew up during the era where we had the DARE officers in our classrooms, and I thought that was a great way to interface um, and get to know people. And, you know, after I saw how how difficult it was and the challenges that they faced, and I was really excited to make something um, that would make their job easier um, because it is so difficult and competitive, um, especially today with all the defund and you know everything that we dealt with with covid yeah so there's there there are um programs out there and there are recruiters and headhunters um that we've seen in the private sector 
what, uh, how did you get your focus when you said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to turn interview now into something that's really going to be a recruiting uh, vehicle? Yeah, so, you know, initially, when I first started interview now, um, my idea was to just make the process as easy as possible. You know, I wanted to make it easy by letting candidates text in and then a so sort of pre-screening pre them right on the spot. And the idea was if you had a high value candidate, they could start talking to someone right away. Um, and that's kind of where the concept of interview now was. Uh, when I sat down with the you know captain from Oakland and he showed me the process, I, I sort of broke up the process in three different steps. I saw that, you know, it's very important just to get people in, you know, it's a very hard to recruit for market. You want to get that, that person's information. You want to get them in the system. Um, you want to pre-screen them right away. You want to find out if they can actually meet your minimum requirements and selection standards. And for many, many entry-level candidates, they're going to have a lot of questions. So can I get my questions answered? Can I connect with someone right away if I need to talk to them? So after learning all of this stuff, it was it felt like a glove fit for us to really wrap our software around uh, the process to you know make recruiters more accessible, answer those questions, um, and and uh, get people to the application as quickly as possible. Yeah, well, you know, 2019, 2020, the uh, IACP, the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and PERF, the Police Executive Research Forum. They were ahead of the curve and they saw we were having some real recruitment issues even before COVID, before George Floyd. And now both of those things hit like a left-right combo. And next thing you know, we're on the canvas. So what was your takeaway from those reports? You've seen those. You know, I, I think the PERF workforce crisis report uh, needs to be in every recruiting unit's office. There's so much great information in there, not just from, uh, you know, looking at the individual pieces uh, of, you know, tech technology um, issues, but also how to get more people excited, you know, different policy adjustments and changes that you can make. Um, it's a very broad report that covers a lot of areas. Um, and, you know, after reading the report and, and recommendations from IACP, you know, I was really excited because it validated a lot of the things that we were building, you know. Uh, eliminating unnecessary steps in the process, um, engaging and wanting to hire within the community, you know, showcasing a realistic picture of what policing is and how to track everything. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, on meetings when I talk to recruiters and I repeat this all the time is they also mention a collegiate sports style approach to recruitment. And I really resonated with this because I played college sports and it just makes so much sense. You have a limited number of uh, people that you're going after in a specific area. And just like a college football coach um, would, you, you, know, you really want to engage with those candidates. You want to start uh, building those relationships and getting them interested in, in your program. Um, you know, at the end of the day, your agency is selling careers to these people, and it's very important to um, interact with them at a very early point to get them over the line. So... You, you saw the reports, you tailored some of the things towards it. You know, a colleague of mine, Janae Gasparini, she's a police one colleague and she's a professor in Virginia, former police officer. And she wrote a terrific article that highlighted several points from the, the PERF uh, um, booklet about recruitment. 
But she didn't go into expediency or technology, and both are important. And I know you can explain why. Yeah. So I and I and I, I don't think that this is a isolated thing to younger generations, but I think all generations are looking for that instant gratification. Uh, we see this when we interact with technology. If you buy a car, a house, ordering on Amazon. You know, there's always that constant engagement and I feel like we've all been programmed to expect it. Now, you know, it's, it's no different when it comes to recruiting um, and especially for how difficult it is for agencies, um, that, that ability to move quickly and that ability to use technology to your advantage is going to make the difference in you being able to recruit one person over the next agency. Um, you know, in our talk at the FBI and A. <clears throat> FBI NAA, there was a um, you know lead lead response rule that I had brought up from the business world, and that's uh, you have a hundred times more chance of actually getting a hold of someone that's interested within five minutes of calling them back, and you have a twenty times more chance of actually getting them to convert. Um, and you know what that means is you know if someone's interested and they want to know more about your agency, call them back right away. You know. Let them know that they're not just going in a pile um, and you're going to take that initiative because that's really going to resonate a lot. Yeah, for sure. And that's the expediency issue, right? So I just heard from a student the other day at the university that I teach and she said, uh, oh yeah, I understand the process is six months to a year. And I, I was like, what agency is still six months to a year? And I guess when it comes down to, you know, fiscal issues about whether or not there's funding for an academy class, those are issues. But we talked about the fact that we're always recruiting, whether or not we have the, the finances to put through an academy class, we're getting people in the hopper, we're getting them through the process, and we want to get them into the queue for the next academy class. Uh, and your technology certainly helps keep that tether or keep the, the retention part alive. Absolutely. And, you know, if someone, you know, you're looking at candidates that are getting into, you know, their careers and they're looking for something that's going to not only, you know, bring them uh, intrinsic value to what they're doing, but also, you know, money on the table, a year is a long time for someone to stay, you know, unemployed or whatever position that they're in, you know, it's, across the board, you know, in our country, um, unemployment is, is really bad. Uh, a lot of places are struggling. You see it across the board. So these people are going to be looking, you're competing against everywhere, right? Not only other agencies, but you're competing against the private sector. Um, so it is extremely important to keep people engaged, let them know that, you know, you're moving along, right? When you order something on Amazon, even though sometimes it takes so long and you know, you're know you wondering what's going on, having that ability to know what's going on and you're getting that constant communication is gonna appease you, um, even if it is a very long process. Yeah, and, and millennials and beyond, that, you know, the Zs and the Xs and, and every generation beyond millennials, but millennials, are at that age where we want to recruit um, for policing, right? And there are target audience. Are they really different from the past generations? I mean, every generation uh, gets a little shade from the generation before, right? The generation before mine 
um, was called the the greatest generation. Well, shoot, how do you follow up with that with baby boomers? That that wasn't impressive. Are millennials really that different? Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. So, I'm a millennial. Uh, you know, I grew up with technology and the internet. And what I can say is, you know, our generation is extremely tech dependent. And, you know, we're very accustomed to getting information and connecting with people right away. We're always on our smartphones. Um, and, you know, not only are we so into technology, we're also motivated differently. Um, we have a completely different work-life balance. Um, we're not as motivated over possessions as we are as experiences. You see a lot of millennials are looking for, you know, experiences. And that also sort of tailors into um, how you need to approach and um, provide incentives to these candidates. Um, they're not going to be looking for, um, you know, those long pensions that, you know, attracted people a long time ago. They're going to be looking for, you know, different things that they can do that are going to be experience level. Um, and and give them that life experience that they're looking for. Yeah, no, I get that. But, you know, I, I, I might have thought that last year, but since COVID, I think there was really um, a point where the gig economy was exposed that I know a lot of my students were, you know, driving for one of the services, the car services, right, whether it's Lyft or um uh, Uber or whatever else, but um, when COVID hit, they realized that was an unsustainable economy, right? There's no 401k, there is no uh, pension, uh, there is no medical benefit, dental benefit. So I would think more now than ever that the appeal of all those things you get with a government job, like a, a police agency, you know, we're paid fair market value and above. And we've got a great pension. We've got other secondary sources of saving money without being taxed and medical and dental and all these other perks. Um, aren't those appealing to millennials these days? So I, I definitely agree that they are, but I think it's more on, you know, do I want to work overtime or do I want to you know, go do something else, right? Yeah, or for sure. am I going to stay at the same agency for more than five years or am I going to go do something else? Mm, right. I got you. Um, I, I'd spoke with uh, um, a chief um, from back East and he was telling me that, you know, millennials, they come in and they immediately want to do something else. You know, they want to get into uh, investigations. They want to, you know, he was losing people to other agencies because he, they weren't getting to any specialized units fast enough and they didn't have the specialized units for them because they're already full. Um, but it, I think it's more on, you know, quickly climbing into these roles and getting that experience um, and having that over, you know, being able to stay there and, you know, getting that pension long-term. Yeah. And maybe that's where the delayed gratification gap widens with the ability to do everything at once, right? You're on the computer, you're on your phone, you're listening to headphones. I mean, there, there is no delayed gratification. We get everything we want right now and we can get it delivered tomorrow or tonight or within an hour, it depends, right? So I can see how it's a, um, you know, there's there's pluses and minuses to that technology and the, the millennials dependence on, on technology. I wanna get into that a little bit more, but first I wanna take a moment and thank our sponsor. 
PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's policeone, the number one, dot com forward slash registration. And we're back and I'm talking with Rob Kate, CEO of Interview Now. We're talking about recruiting and retention using technology to stay in touch, to speed along the process and, and keep people in the loop make it quicker to get people from application to that seat at your police academy. So Rob, um, it's feasible. Is it feasible to recruit nationally? I, you know, back in my day, uh, some, my local agency would announce, Hey, we're, we're hiring and there would be a line around the block, right? Everybody's waiting for that job announcement and, you know, four, 800, a thousand people in queue for maybe, 60 or 80 jobs over the course of the next six months. So now uh, I think we're starting to see some agencies loosen up their policies of uh, having residency requirements. I get that regional maybe even, but how feasible is it to go nationally? If I'm in New York, do I really want to recruit from California or Texas? Yeah, so I, I definitely definitely think a lot of agencies are taking advantage of, you know, leveraging the internet to connect with candidates virtually. Um, you know, since COVID happened, I think everyone was sort of forced into uh, adopting uh, these virtual meetings and being able to meet that way as the new norm. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely seen, you know, great opportunities to help with that sort of national recruitment um, hosting, you know, virtual career fairs, wanting to get recruiters in front of, in front of candidates um, in a very easy to use format where candidates can pose questions and get real information that they're looking for, you know, like cost of living and, uh, you know, what, what, what are the benefits that I can get from going to the department? Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that the, um, there is a very, very big push to recruit um, nationally. And, uh, you know, in addition, we've seen a lot of lateral movement over the last year um, from, you know, laterals moving across the country. A lot of people from California heading over to Idaho and in Texas and a lot of other a lot of other places. So um, we're seeing it happen. Um, and I think that, you know, one thing we're really excited about and things that we want to do is we want to help make that easier. Uh, I think that that's just going to you know benefit everybody if, if it is easier for people to move. Um, from place to place. And, you know, if you look at the stats on millennials and, you know, how long they stay in their specific roles, um, I think the future is going to have a lot more lateral movement um, from agencies. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, you know, the world is smaller every day. Um, switching gears a little bit, we're still on recruitment and retention, getting new candidates in the loop. I spoke with Guillermo Witt, uh, president of the of Polygraph um, Association. And he talked about, 
you know, the polygraph, I, I mentioned that the polygraph is probably one of the mysterious parts of the process that really scares candidates. And maybe to the point where, uh, you know, they fall apart during the interview and then they fail. So I keep hearing from uh, individuals who may have failed a polygraph test. They're asking for an appeal test because they were so nervous. And um, Guillermo Witt said, you know, we need to do more about being upfront about the polygraph, about saying exactly what it is that we're measuring and how we're doing it. And you're not going to beat it. You're not going to think up a way to beat it in that time that he explains it to you. But maybe by demystifying it, we open it up to make the candidate a little bit more comfortable and uh, explain to him how the system works. Um, I also talked to Dr. David Black at Cortico, uh, the, the well-being app for police officers. And I asked him about the psychological. And, you know, if we're really, uh, you know, if the polygraph and the psych are two areas where we lose a ton of candidates, what are we doing with the psych test? Should we be astringent or are we going to make a whole nest of problems if we loosen things up? And he said, you know, we're pretty rigid with the psych tests and we're, we're, we're shutting down people that are dealing with conflict um, using their words, or maybe sometimes they'll get into a, an argument or even a physical fight, but they're not always wrong. And, but we lose them when we do the psych. And, you know, I am paraphrasing when he says, you know, we should look more at how we um, uh, investigate the results of a psych test uh, rather than eliminate with, without looking more into it. So what mistakes, if you've seen, whether polygraph or the psych test, what, where else have you seen where we have gaps that we need to fix in the process? So I, I think, you know, in any of the tests and the requirements that you see with agencies, I think that there's this old... Um, sort of thinking of we've always done it this way and mm -hmm. and this is this is how it is because we've always done it this way even though it's yielding poor results uh, i think just like any other stage in the process it's extremely important to be transparent with the recruits you want them to be prepared um, but then you also need to reevaluate what results actually mean a fail uh, I, I you know a lot of the agencies that i talk to if someone you know, gets really deep in a process and fails, it's like a, you know, um, you're blackballed, right? I mean, forget getting any opportunity at any other agency, even if it was um, a clerical error on, you know, filling out the background. Um, and I think that that's just, you're, you're, you're really going to not only hurt the candidate, but you're also hurting the agencies that could, could have potentially, you know, really use that person. Yeah, I mean, We've got to streamline the process. And um, I think some of these things take a long time to schedule. And then if we get a result that's um, you know questionable, that, that's it. The, and, and the cycle starts up again. And if somebody wants to reapply, they're sometimes they're, they're reapplying and it's another six months and they may not know what part of the psych or the polygraph that they failed. So I think that's something where we've really got to as an industry, take a look and see if we can make some improvements. So you have a number of agencies from all over the country, East Coast, West Coast, 
middle of the country. They're using your software, your format. Tell us some success stories. Tell us uh, uh, one or two agencies that are really um, using the software to their advantage and they're just, they're doing it right and why. Absolutely. So I'm going to um, definitely give a shout out to Memphis, um, Tennessee. So uh, Memphis, um, they've been signed up, signed up with us. They actually signed up both their PD and fire. Um, and one of the big things that we have that they were excited about was our um, handoff feature. Now, this feature is the idea of this is someone can be texting in through an automated format. And if they want to connect with a recruiter, they can talk to them right away. Usually we offer this for their, you know, lateral positions, maybe it's dispatch, some of the really hard to fill positions, but Memphis said they wanted it for everything. And they have multiple different programs. They have the blue track uh, program and lateral program. They have the entry level program and they just wanted to be way more open and available um, to these candidates that are interested. Um, and I actually, you know, just talked to them today and they're looking at also the data, not just on the usage, but also the performance of the recruitment team. And to me, that is a, a big, big um, sign that I'm seeing a across a lot of agencies is they're not only looking at, you know, what's working, but also who's working because it's very important to see sort of the analytics on what's driving recruitment for the agency. And so Memphis is one of those agencies that I, that I, I really like to talk about because they are going all in on creating a really high touch approach for candidates. Um, they're really um, making themselves available and really streamlining the process. Yeah. So when you say high touch, you mean there's somebody at Memphis who's getting right back to these candidates. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, the way that, you know, our, our software works in some cases, they can, they can talk to them right away over the phone or what we do is we let them uh, text a recruiter. So another, another agency that we work with um, that's doing extremely well is the Albuquerque police department. Um, Sergeant Pete Silva actually told us that he doesn't communicate any other way and that this is the number one way he communicates now because it's so fast and effective um these these conversations that you know we're having on our platform that these recruiters and candidates are having we've had over three thousand of them um and the really cool thing that i like about it is that these candidates are you know texting with these recruiters right and this is how we communicate with our friends our family um and it just you know really really convenient and personable so, but for a smaller agency, maybe where you don't have the personnel to be, you know, real-time texting or, or phoning back the candidate, um, do you have, is there some other sort of AI that, that still connects the candidate? Yeah. So for, for example, um, I'll, I'll use, so Sunnyvale, Texas, um, they're a small agency um, they actually were a brand new agency. They only had a population of 10,000. Um, it actually comes off as if you are texting a real person when you're mm. using our platform. It's very mm. interactive. Um, it, it speaks to you by your first name um, and it, you can ask questions and it answers them for you. Um, for the, for the, those types of agencies that still want to have that time save of you know, finding the right candidates and answering their questions, they can reply back 
um, whenever they can. Um, you know, they can just log in and, you know, first thing in the morning, just like you're checking your email, you log in, you see if anyone had said anything, and then you can do the same thing, um, right when you go, uh, head out from work. Um, so it's just, I think more about having a good routine, um, and, you know, committing, if you can commit to investing five minutes out of your day to just check and log in and answer a few questions, I think can, can mean the most for, um, that communication with candidates. Yeah, for sure. And it appeals to the millennial who wants that instant response. Yeah. You know, we, I would say over 75% of the people that come through our platform ask questions and they want to text with a recruiter. Hmm. Um, you know, when, when you're getting into something that you've never, you know, nothing about, you don't know anything about the backgrounds process, you know, you might want to know about testing, you know, maybe you want to know about, uh, benefits, things of that nature, or maybe you just want to talk to someone who can, you know, convince you on why you want to do this. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of, um, entry level, um, questions come up, which I think is great because it allows the agency to interact with them on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, and at the very least, you're you're answering these, you know, FAQs for candidates that are just like really starting. And I've heard you talk about that, um, you know, the car sales approach, right? Like if you go in and you're looking at cars and nobody approaches you and you walk out and you really don't know any much more than when you walked in, but you go into another showroom and somebody comes up and says, Hey, how can I help you? Um, which model are you interested? Let me show you how it works. Let me give you some facts. That's, that seems to be the way to engage. And so you're, you may have somebody just browsing, but maybe by that contact, you actually stir up the interest to get them to that next level. Yeah, no, I, I think that if someone's there, they are interested right? They, they, they didn't walk on, you know, the lot or they didn't look at your department if they weren't interested. And I think that having that proactive approach of, you know, engaging with them up front, you know, the days of we're just going to wait and, you know, fill out an application are crazy. You know, if people are willing to commit, um, you know, to this career and they're willing to invest in this and be a part of your department for the community, um, they need a little more interaction. And I, I always like to relate it back to, you know, if you're a current police officer, you're not just going to go and fill out an application at another agency. You're probably going to ask around. You're going to get some references. You might even want to talk with the recruiters before you, you know, make any waves um, in that direction. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you, I mean, we could do a whole show on how to pick the right recruiter, right? But what can you tell us about the, the recruiters that you know are engaging and doing a really good job? What, give me a couple of their, their fine traits. So recruiter selection, I think is one of the most important decisions that an agency can make. And I'm, you know, I work with a lot of agencies and I look at a lot of the statistics and everyone's got the same tools. Um, but there's a huge difference in someone that can, you know, that actually wants to do this. They're involved. They understand it. They get it um, versus someone that, you know, will say, Hey, I need, I need overtime to call this person back. You know um, I think that recruiters um, need to be, you know, tech competent. They got to be friendly and extroverted, reliable. Um, they're not going to get back to you three weeks, a month later 
um, you know, really focusing on those relationship builders, because, you know, that's that first impression that you got, you know, with your agency. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about this at FBI and AA, but I, I, you know, would invite, um, any of these listeners to try to go through your recruitment process and see, you know, how, how long does it take for someone to get back to you? Do you know who this person is? Is this someone that you want to be on the front lines, um, of your agency? Because, you know, if you're buying a car and you're interested in a car and that, you know, dealership calls you back three weeks later, I hope you didn't have to get to work the next day because you're probably going to go to another dealership and pick something else out. Right. Good point. So in the end, isn't everyone at your agency a recruiter? Uh, you know, I keep seeing these social media posts about, you know, what would you offer if you were going to give um, advice to yourself 30 years ago or 20 years ago? Or what would you say to someone thinking about a law enforcement job? And gosh, I just can't, it hurts to see some of these responses. How do we change that attitude at an agency where, you know, does the chief mandate that everybody talks up the department or, you know, what's the elevator speech to say, hey, look, I mean, we're a noble profession. You know, maybe it was under some scrutiny when you came in, but look, you had a great career, you've helped people. I can't tell you how many times police officers have saved lives, touched lives throughout their career, and they don't really even know because it's the job, right? But um, it is a fulfilling job. And I just want to know, how do we change it? How do we change that attitude? You know, I, I think that we're seeing a big overhaul across the board. Um, there's a big push from new candidates that are coming in that they're there because they want to make a difference and they mm -hmm. want to make a change uh, for the better. And you look at a lot of these recruiting videos and it's a big emphasis on community and serving. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic about, you know, what the future is for, um, you know, recruitment and for, for policing. Um, but I do think that some of these detractors, um, they definitely need to be heard and they need to be, you know, talked to because um, it's, it's not helping anyone if, you know, someone's, you know, talking poorly about the profession and, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's, it's for public safety. You know, I was listening to one of uh, the virtual career fairs that we had and um, the recruiter from the Sunnyvale Department of Public Safety said, you know, he's police, fire and EMS. So you're, you know, almost guaranteed to save someone's life every day. And, and I thought that that was so cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. You know, you're, you're going to work every day and you're going to be saving somebody's life. So I think that it's, you know, obviously there's a big black eye that, you know, um, happened in law enforcement, but I do feel that there's a lot of changes that are coming and, and for referrals, um, and for getting people to promote the agency, you know, let's take some lessons from the private sector. Many companies offer bonuses for people to refer candidates in. And those referrals are very, very important because, you know, if, if someone's going to introduce someone to their career or profession, they're not going to, you know, pick someone that they know is going to do a bad job. Um, and that's why referrals are so important. So I do think there needs to be some type of uh, incentive in place. Yeah. Yeah. And you make a great point. And I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, when you say, why not use some of these business practices? And I, and I know, you know, interview now is much more involved than we, than our chat just revealed here, but the idea that, you know, you went from 
the business community and software to integrating that into the the need of recruitment and retention in policing you know i think that's admirable it's uh bringing business practices uh doing using analytics doing surveys you know judging attitudes speeding up the process all those things are are really commendable and i, I want to thank you for that rob how do how do our listeners find you and find out um what you're doing next yeah. So if you go to our website, you can fill out our form. Uh, it's at www.interviewnow.io, um, IO as, as the Indian Ocean. Um, we'd be happy to set up some time and share what we're doing with other agencies and share how we can help you. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for taking the time. Good talking with you. And to our listeners, um, what are you doing at your agency? Are you hiring? I think, you know, we're on the downside of this defund movement. I see, I see lots of agencies putting money back into um, the agencies that they took from. They realize it was a poorly designed experiment. We've seen, you know, the statistics rise in crime. And, you know, at some point, the, the majority of people out there need to um, tell their elected leaders, what they want in their policing. And I think you're right. I think Rob's right when he talks about, you know, there's that sense of community fulfillment and doing what's right for the community. And uh, this is our next generation. So uh, it's going to be a while before we get another generation after them. So so let's, let's stick with this and uh, see what we could do to get more people into the industry. There are future leaders. Hey, let us know what's happening at your agency. Thanks for listening. If you're if you're enjoying the show, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Is there an issue or topic you want to talk about? Is there someone in particular uh, you'd like to hear from? I'd be glad to reach out, dig them up, and, and bring them onto the show. Um, we're going to get a couple words from um, Henner Gracie on the success that he's had with bringing more Brazilian jiu-jitsu into uh, the use of force um, discussion, uh, working at several agencies right now. So that came from a listener. And um, I welcome your interest and your suggestions. Send us an email at policingmatters at police1.com. Policingmatters at police1.com. That's police1-O-N-E. Drop us a line, share your ideas. I'll get back to you or somebody from the team will. And I hope you're staying safe and hope you're listening again. Take care. Talk to you real soon.